What's your last name? It's easier than it looks. Paul Mary. That's the easiest way to say it. Yeah. It looks okay. complicated. It's not. I promise. All right. I was <laughs> nice. putting a lot of accents in there. <laughs> <laughs> I like it because it, you know, it makes me sound fancy, but I am not, I am not a fancy man. All right. So we're here with our special guest, Kevin Paul Mary. Thank you both for having me. It's yeah. yeah. And Kevin is the CFO and founder and co-host of Next Level Universe. Yes, I'm a podcaster by nature. That's what I that's what I love doing. At one point that was just a dream and now I get to do seven episodes a week and I'm very very grateful. I'm tired often, but I'm grateful. Well, we're grateful to have you and one of the things we do here is explore rich, deep subjects with a sense of humor. Mm, I love Hopefully. <laughs> I did a little research. I tried to do research before I joined, so I've listened to some and I got that it's a it's like a a very heart-driven comedic approach. That's what I got from you both. Yeah. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. We're making the world a better place one laugh at a time. I like it. I like or it. Or one that's tear al- at a time, depending. Well, yeah. Well, that's in alignment. Hey, sometimes sometimes you get to cry before you laugh. Yeah. There's something I really would love to dive into. Sure. Because looking at your brief bio, um, you mentioned how you had everything in your 20s, and yet you're sitting on the edge of your bed contemplating wanting to end your life Mm. and uh that's a super heavy place to be um i'm wondering because then you dove into holistic elements of life and healing yourself have you found for um the nature of the energy of depression like what is the source that creates depression for i can speak to my experience at least for me i believe it was the contrast between my external status and my internal status that was my experience i looked like i was crushing life but inside i was a a scared man i i you know i have tattoos and i was a bodybuilder and i won a bodybuilding show and I was training to fight professionally earlier in my life, I think people would say, wow, that's probably a pretty confident human being. But no, I, I wasn't that at all. So for me, that's what that's the energy I felt. That's the essence I felt. I think for me, it was also a sense of hopelessness. It's, it's almost like I'm in a tunnel, and the tunnel is very dark, but I do not see a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't see anything at the end of the tunnel. I don't even know where I am. I don't know what to do. So... For me, it was definitely hopelessness, helplessness, but that that interesting place where a lot of us have lived where our inner and our external results are not the same. Our inner and our external status are just not aligned, and I think that's where a lot of us get stuck, and we think more money, less problems, more money, feel better, more money, more confidence. So for me, that's where a lot of it came from, I would say. So I want to interject the question of where did it turn? Like you're sitting there on the bed and was there someone 
with some message <laughs> that was the 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 wing that lifted the bird. Yeah, I I messaged my friend who is now my business partner and now my partner in this mission really. Uh he was the only person I knew that had really studied self-improvement. Hmm. He knew stuff. That, that that was like how I would explain it. I, I don't know, he just knows. I messaged him and I said, "Hey Alan, I'm struggling, man. I'm and for context, this was in a hotel room six hours from where I lived because my job required a ton of travel. So I wasn't even – I was six hours away from anybody who cared about me. And I messaged him and I explained the situation. I said, I'm having these thoughts, these feelings, these emotions. I don't know what to do, brother. What do I do? And he said, Kev, you've worked on yourself over the last couple of years and your awareness is different, but your environments are the same. I think you need to change your environment. So he did something very unique for me that day, Mark. He gave me permission. He gave me permission where I think a lot of people might have said, Kev, nobody really likes their job, man. Like, isn't that kind of par for the court? You're making all this money. Like, you can't be miserable or just give it the weekend. You know, it's probably a bad Friday. Give it the weekend. Monday, it'll be better. He gave me permission to at least open myself up to the opportunity for change. And I think that empowered me. And I think we're all looking for permission in some way, shape or form. And that's really what I felt that day. Well, there's a lot of... um services and insights available around the idea of creating a, an external look and a body and a vibe, right? And yeah. and having the look of a life well-led. What a what was the source for the internal workout, for the methods you use to heal the insides? For me, it all started with asking why. I know it's such a simple, simple question, but I was raised in a single parent household. I was raised by my mom and my grandmother. Didn't know my dad. Didn't meet my dad until I was 27. That's where a lot of my stuff comes from. Not feeling good enough. I don't, I almost never, it's starting to shift where my self-worth is, is starting to elevate. And I, I do love myself and I'm proud of myself and I, I think I'm doing good in the world. But my default is just not feeling good enough. I love the fact that you're both very, uh, calm and I can tell very vulnerable and there's not a lot of ego because I would be, I would probably shell up if there was ego. Cause I, it just, I'm afraid. I'm afraid I don't belong. I'm afraid that, you know, you can see, you can see that I don't belong here. Yeah. So for me, that's where it all, that's where it all started. And until I was aware of that, I mean, you can't really do anything until you have awareness. So I remember, I remember I started from a place of, I'm not confident. And I was like, okay, but some people are, but some people aren't in certain places. Like, what is this confidence thing? That's where I started to work, where I would literally track the number of fears that I chased. How many fears did I chase today? Five. I was in the supermarket and I said hi to the, the person doing the checkout. Okay, that's a fear. That's a fear. Okay, let me check that off. I held eye contact with somebody when I was walking down the aisle. Check that off. For me, that was the internal work that I started to do. I think there was such a delta between the human expectation of Kevin and the human reality of Kevin. So I think I was just trying to merge that of like, I am at least a little bit confident and that, that is really where it started for me. But I, I just remember feeling worse when I got more results. When I made the most money, I actually felt worse because I think I was actually making the Delta between who I was and what it looks like even more. Mm-hmm. So I think I intuitively, I understood there's a problem with the, the character and competence here. Like you haven't done the self work. You've done the external work 
and that's fine, but you haven't done the internal work yet. Yeah, that's what I picture. Like you've got this gorgeous Ferrari in your driveway, but if you open up the hood, there's mm-hmm. just a rat's nest in cobwebs. Yeah, that was. I mean, I was a good man. I was a character-driven man, I would say more than – I won't say more than most because that's a judgment, but to a level that I'm proud of. And it wasn't that. It was more – you would assume I was confident and you would assume I could handle anything. Well, I I was socially awkward, socially anxious, anxious, depressed, that. And I, I think at a deep level, one of all of our greatest fears is somebody's going to find out our greatest fear and then call us out on it. And I think that was part of it for me is like, oh, no, if I get found out, I'm really in trouble. And then I think my tendency after I started to get more confident was to be vulnerable because it's almost like if I tell you, you know, it's the M&M in 8 Mile. I don't know if you've seen it, but if I tell you all my stuff, you can't really use it against me. (laughs) Now tell me something I haven't said. (laughs) But it was from a place of I also do believe I'm very of the opinion that it will help. And if it's going to help somebody else, I'm willing to take a punch on the cheek. I just, that's just who I am. I want to help. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help. That's what I want to do. I've always wanted to help. I don't think I ever thought I had the voice and I don't think I ever thought I had the vehicle. And then when I found podcasting, it's like, here we go. So in my transition in my life, there was a pivotal moment where I went to this thing called the Ignited Man Workshop. And I identified a bunch of the pieces of the puzzle in there and began my own journey Hmm. of self inner development. And I'd already been doing it for a while, but this was a really higher level commitment to it. And I'm wondering if you have a sense of when you turned the corner, what, like if, if bodybuilding is you go to the gym and you work with a trainer and they teach you lifting, et cetera, et cetera. Well, it's the internal equivalent. And how did it unfold for you? I quit my job. I went from making a hundred thousand dollars a year to starting a, this is what, this was my plan. I'm going to have a podcast and I'm going to be a full-time podcaster. And my business partner and I, we, we had these conversations in his mother's, well, it was in his sister's old bedroom. That's where our first podcast studio was. Talk about starting over. We had the conversation of, I know I can be a better man than you internally. We worked on our characters. We weren't talking about a business plan. We were working on how do we come better? How do we become better men? And here's why we found out pretty early. So I started the podcast myself in 2017. My audience was primarily female. Never expected that. I thought it was going to be bodybuilding bros. And I thought I can just kind of talk trash and, you know, we'll go back and forth. It'll be self-improvement kind of. When I started getting the female demographic reaching out, I realized that I, I, I have to be a better man. I have to be more vulnerable. I have to be more character driven because five, 10 years from now, I'm going to be surrounded by women. And it's very important to me that they feel safe and they feel trusted. And this was the other thing, Mark, and this was a very hard thing for me. I have talked to, and this is a great part, but also a painful part. I've talked to many of our community members, one-on-one behind the scenes, Zoom, FaceTime, text message, WhatsApp, whatever. Almost every single one of them has been mentally, physically, sexually abused in some way, shape, or form. And I remember thinking that I, I can't be that. I can never be that. No matter what happens to me, no matter how successful, whatever, I refuse to be that. I will not be that. I will die before I am that. Because that's what this community needs. And that's, I mean, my, my business partner and I, we, right now I think we have 19 people on our team. We had a team call on Wednesday 
and my business partner is going through therapy. And he started the call with a, like a, a 10 minute crying session and everybody was just, and I get emotional about it, but everybody was just like, you're good, man. You're safe. You're good. Like that for me, I believe we're capable of changing the energy of self-improvement in some way, shape or form. And I take it very, very seriously at this point, but it, that's where it started from women, women reaching out saying, I've been hurt by men that look like you. Huh. I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay, that's what I'm here. That's what this is for. Okay. Um, you have a photo of you and your partner in the background there. Yeah. And you mentioned that. Is she the beautiful girlfriend you had when you were sitting on the edge? No, no. She she is uh, somebody who came into my life later. I was not mature enough to hang on to her. Ended up moving on. And then I went through a, a phase where I was dating and I remember talking to my friends and I said, the next person I'm with, I'm going to be with forever. Like I'm done with this. You know, I don't feel understood. I don't, nobody wants to date a broke podcaster. I'm not, like, it's very hard to find a, a partner. And I said, I don't know where I'm going to find this, but I do know her name is Taryn. I said, I do know Taryn. She gets me. I don't know if anybody else is ever going to get me because nobody knew me before I was who I am today. Nobody knew the bodybuilding bro Kev. They know like the self-improvement, super positive Kev. And the, the, the interesting thing and the thing that makes me emotional is she believed in this dream, you know, as long as I have. I mean, I couldn't afford rent and she paid it. I couldn't get her Christmas presents two years in a, go, uh, two years in a row. She was okay with it. That. Like I am blessed again. I, at times I do feel that I have a quality of human around me between my business partner, the team that I don't fully deserve. I'm just very blessed. I, a lot of the, the human elements of people being judged and held back by their communities. I've just, I've never had that. From the outside, I would say though, I, I, I hear you saying that you have these blessings you don't believe you deserve mm. that there is an element of the proof is in the pudding the blessings are there mm. they wouldn't be there if you didn't deserve them i appreciate like, that you know I it's real that. like these people there there's an element of the quality of the human you're interacting with where they wouldn't interact with you if you weren't there it's a self-worth issue is what it is it's it's the do i deserve this <laughs> Yeah. And what I find interesting, Mark and I just in our last episode, I made an agreement with him that I was going to uh, <clears throat> heal this adult voice in me that says you can't succeed. You're mm. not even worth trying. Yeah. I know so, that voice well. I do. Yeah. So that's what's so interesting. Like I have sat on the edge of the bed or for me, you know, being close to San Francisco, been on the bridge, mm -hmm. looking down at the water going, hmm. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's a very human place. Mm. Well, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, we all have our own kryptonite, quote yes. unquote, kryptonite. Right. And I think, I had a moment and I guess this is going to be the Kevin cries episode. I, I think it's the energy. It's the, you guys have great energy. I don't know what to say. I, I told my wife when she got home last night, I said something really awesome happened today. I actually said something really painful happened today, but it was awesome. And she's like, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, it's good. So I think I learned a, a bit about myself yesterday that I didn't fully understand yet. I got a message from somebody and she said, Hey, my husband who 
refuses to listen to self-improvement. Just not a self-improvement guy. I told him about you and I caught him listening to the show when he was in the garage or something. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. He, jo- he joined a group coaching program that we have. And I met him and he's just a, such a good dude. And she messaged me the day after he met me on this group coaching thing. And she said, Kev, I need you to know that ever since he was young, not growing up with a father, he didn't have a father just like you. He has never trusted a man. He's never resonated with a man. He's never looked up to a man. I want to buy him coaching sessions with you. And I was like, I just fell on the floor and started crying because for me, I think I thought the point of my mission was to be the man that the female demographic needed. I think that's what I thought in the beginning when now I really think it's to be the type of person maybe that a man needs when they don't want to go to the toxic self-improvement side of things. We're like, you know, rub some dirt on it or no one cares, work harder. It's like, that's not true. That's not a fact. That's a, a blank. Yeah, there's this element of men's work, which is really just reinforcing these old tropes yeah. that are caustic. Yeah. And they, they continue to cover the surface of the wounding instead of actually getting in there and, you know, healing it. Yeah. And I think I real like, that's not us. I mean, we're heart driven, but no BS. That's what we say. Heart driven. Mm-hmm. I, I love you. I want to help you. I, I cry all the time. That's just, you know, episode 1000 was the, we just cried the whole time. That was pretty much the episode. I don't know if there was any value in that thing, but it was, it was valuable to us. And so I think it, that's the interesting thing is like when you're in alignment, whatever alignment means to you, when you're on purpose, whatever that means to you, you get the opportunity to get more in alignment and more on purpose. And you get these subtle hints of like, why am I bawling my eyes out right now? And I think for me, it was like, I have worked, I have just worked so hard and somebody finally sees it and somebody wants to, they want to love me for my character. Like, oh my goodness, what a, what a a feeling of a void that is. Like they love me because of who I am. And again, I do have a lot of that, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think you always see it when it's super close to home. Has your relationship with your father been able to grow since you met when you were 27? So I remember I had no intention of ever meeting my father. I had written him off as dead. I don't care. I'll, I'll literally, I will pee on his grave. That's what I said at one point, right? That's, that's where I was. I'm sitting on my couch and, uh, 27, I'm going on Facebook and evidently there's a a place on Facebook in your messages, uh, in your messages where somebody, if they're not friends with you, that's where the message goes. Right, right, cool. Right. For some reason I'm going through those and I see a message and it says, Hey Kev, I'm blank. I'm your, your father's girlfriend. And I'm like, no, 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 not doing this today. Absolutely not. I'm not going to do this today. It's the weekend. I'm off of work. But, but you get that pull, right? It's like, well, come on. I got to take a look. Yeah. Hey Kev, I'm blank. I'm your father's girlfriend. Uh, your dad has been watching you on social media and he wants you to know that he's very proud of you and everything you've done. And if you're open, he'd like to meet you and then just throw the phone, fall on the floor. There's a lot of Kevin on the floor in this episode too. And <laughs> I'm just bawling my eyes out. And here's the thing. I, I have such a scab over this that I don't want to, it's easy to say you hate your dad when you don't have the opportunity to meet mm-hmm. him. Right? Mm-hmm. It's easy. It's easy yeah. to say like, I wouldn't feel any type of way knowing you're never going to see him. So I messaged one of my friends and I said, hey, my, my dad just reached out and he wants to see me. 
And my, my friend said, do you, are you, number one, are you going to do it? Number two, do you want me to come with you? And I said, I don't know if I'm going to do it, but if I do, I want, I need to do it alone. I mean, obviously like for me, for closure, I need to do it alone. So I thought about it. I messaged back and I said, yeah, let's do it. Let's meet up. So we met up halfway between where we lived. I lived in New Hampshire. He lived in Rhode Island. So we met up somewhere in Massachusetts. I go to this diner and I walk in, I sit down and I'm sitting down and this is how nervous and just like in the just unconscious I was at the time. I was like, I don't even know what my dad looks like. Like, this is going to be super weird. How am I even going to know when he gets here? I don't even know what he looks like. I saw a man walk by the window and I was like, ah, that's my dad. I don't know how I knew. It was just an energetic, like, it was just a familiar, a familiar, a familiarity. I was like, all right, that's my dad. Okay. Part one done. So he comes in, he finds me some, again, I guess he, he must've known what I looked like from Facebook. He sits down and it's just as weird as you can imagine. And he's crying at one point and I'm just, you're not getting, there's no emotion here. Like I'm here on a mission trying to figure out what is happening. So we end up having a good conversation and he like apologizes and he's crying and he's asking me about like what I'm doing. So we end that conversation. I left there that day and this is going to sound cold, but I left there that day realizing that the man in front of me is just a man who has never worked on himself. He just, Mm -hmm. he's unaware. He's running his own traumas, his own paradigms. He's living in his own past and he just hasn't had a level of self-improvement. I left that day with empathy is really what I left with because I understood, look, You've given this person such an editing role in your life when they can't even they can't even author their own. Such a dangerous place for me to live. I left and we ended up kind of connecting. I visited him twice after that. And then I I just remember thinking to myself, there's no way I'm willing to do what it takes to sustain this relationship. So rather than lead on my dad and think you know, I don't want him to think this is going to be something that it's not. And, you know, he would just like call me on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, just randomly. And I don't have my phone. I'm working. I'm on the mission. And I know that might sound egotistical. I don't mean it in that way, but I'm not the type of person. I'm not just not going to get right back to you. So I remember it was that weird, like, oh, okay, I can, I see how it is. It's like, no, 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 don't do that childish stuff. Like, what are we doing here? No, I'm busy. I'm, I'm a man. I'm busy. I got, I have a business. I, you know, I do seven episodes a week. So I made the conscious effort or I made the conscious decision that, look, I'm going to let this die because unless I'm willing to do something, if I don't see it in my future, 15 years from today, I'm not going to do it today. Most likely because it's just not, that's just the way I am. And this is the other thing growing up without a dad, I have a very weird relationship with relationships. I'm pretty good at just letting things go and then moving on. And I already got the closure. I got what I needed. I I got that closure. And it was like, Kev, you're doing the right thing. You're a great man. You're a great man. You've worked so hard on yourself like that. Maybe that's the contrast you need. So I decided I'm done. Right. Right. That was kind of what it was. It's kind of what it was. And I decided, you know what? I think this is what's best for me. And honestly, to a degree, I also think it's probably what was best for him because oh yeah, yeah. It, that's the other thing is if you're following me, I'm some, I want to be, I have to be authentic. I can't, I'm not going to lie about my story. I don't want to lie about my story. You're going to come up and I don't want you, or I don't want the subconscious fear of you listening, filtering my story because I think that's one of the things that's made me into who I am today. And there's somebody out there who's dealing with the same thing who might need to hear that. So that was part of it too. 
Uh, and you also don't want to dig through the wound and reinfect it and, you know, break up all the healing that's happened. And the temptation is to just go over and over the past with each other, trying yeah. to reshape it. And it's not possible. Well, here's the difference. What I'm hearing, Kevin, is your father wasn't willing to do the work. Like, I think all three of us are willing to interact with an individual if they're on board to do the work necessary. Mm. But if not, then it just becomes like Sisyphus pushing a stone up the hill and it rolls yeah. back down. That's well, and crazy. I don't know if, if I was willing to do the work either, in fairness. Well, if, all right. if, Yeah, if I was willing to do the work in the relationship, it's like, I mean, how do I catch you up? <laughs> you know, how do I catch you up on, okay. Well, and this life... He's the dad. You're not the dad. So it right. sounds like the an element you were kind of looking at like, well, I could be your dad, but no, that's not what I want to be. Right. That, that is it. And so I have a question. Um, Taryn is your wife's name? Yes. Do you guys want children in your life? We have, we're 99.999% sure that we will not have children of our own in terms of birthing children of our own, but we might adopt later in life. That is our, our current – because I think there's a, it's an interesting thing where like obviously I want – there's a part of me that wants to give a human the human experience I didn't have. But I think there's also part of me that's like – I mean I get that every day really. Like I get so yeah. much significance from the mission and I, and I get to do that and I, you know, I've made a living doing that, which I'm grateful for. So I think part of it for me is like I, I think this is the goal. Obviously, you want to end a trauma and not pass the trauma on to somebody else. I believe that I'm doing that in my own unique way or I'm trying to, to help other people like thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions in the future of people not pass on their traumas to other people. So I think I get a lot of significance and closure from that as well. But I, I think at some point we will we will adopt. I, I've, we've talked about it and when we're more financially free, that's important to me because I don't want to – you know, I think a lot of us have unintentionally, selfishly brought humans into the world without realizing there's a lot that goes into that. And I want to make sure I can give that support and honestly, certainty. I want to give that certainty. Well, from my own experience as a father, mm. it is my belief that what's more important than security, because ultimately it doesn't exist, like, our, okay, is being present. Mm. And um, my children have grown up with financial hardship, for lack of a better word. That's just a nice umbrella to put it in. Mm. But I've been there for them, and that I appreciate. Mm. Um, so I just throw that out to you and your I wife that should you decide, like just being able to be – and by being present, I mean like you show up at the school thing yeah. or they come home and you're home and that kind of thing. Well, I think transparently, I think part of me is afraid that, I mean, five years ago, I didn't know where we were going to be today. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know we'd be at the level we're at today. I think five years from today, I'm worried what that means. Like, what if I'm supposed to be on stage? You know, then, then like, then I have to, and then it, here's the other thing. I could do the same thing my dad did yeah. because of the mission. My goodness. And I will yeah. say that what you're doing is wonderful. What I'm hearing today is incredible i don't see any lack so i you know, appreciate it yeah I it's just a lot to, of i would ahead. love to give you some um insight from my own personal Please. experience because i'm 59 
I'm going to be 60 in about five, six weeks. And I was married for 21 years to a woman. And very early on in our marriage, we professed a very similar point of view. Mm. Like my, my dad was peripherally around, but my mom raised me, right? Sort of similar. And there was trauma there. And my wife at the time and I made a conscious decision. Okay, we're not going to have kids. And it came to find out in, in the last two years during the breakup of the relationship that she had kept that desire hidden when it reemerged and that she had regretted not having children. But she was too afraid to come forward with it because we had this agreement. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sharing with this, this with you because at that moment, it was really was too late. Like there were reasons at that point I definitely wouldn't raise children with her because we weren't going to be parenting. And Mm. uh, so I would just say that just like any other process that you're in, any other life situation, evaluate, like check in. Don't be afraid to to ask that question to your your wife in a year or whatever Mm. and say, hey, like, has this shifted for you? How are you feeling? And, and, you know, have the vulnerable conversation with her about whether that shifted because – you know, I've been divorced now for eight years and I'm still in contact with my ex-wife. And she said something to me the other day and she was super bummed that she'd never had kids. And it just, it's gone from right before we divorced, it was kind of a nagging disappointment. And now it's like a deep regret for her. What about for you? I don't experience that emotional level of regret. Um, I understand and feel a sense of curiosity about what I would have become as a father and what uh, the love that I have in my heart could have done in relation to being a parent and Mm -hmm. and raising children. But I'm pretty clean uh, around not having had kids. I'm okay with it. Mm. So interesting. It's such an interesting thing. The whole thing is so interesting. (laughs) You guys are the best. And Elon Musk is talking about how how we have a uh, you know a birthing crisis in this country. We're you know we don't have enough population growth to sustain our society and stuff like that. So it's it gets into a really interesting conversation. Mm. I'm actually interested in a couple of other subjects. If we're ready to move, let's do it. Okay, so I'm just going to call this out right away. I have a very personal and selfish reason for asking this question. Yeah. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> um, I said to Greg before we came on when I was reading your bio that I was looking forward to speaking to you, and I was actually a little scared. And I sat with that, and the reason I'm scared is because I've been a professional coach now for four years full-time, and I have a limited amount of success. I don't have the success I'm craving. And so my question is, what do you think is the the key for coaching (laughs) successfully? How has it worked for you? It's a great question. Uh, I don't ever suggest anybody does it the way we do because I'm sick as a dog today, and uh, this is my seventh call of the day or eighth call of the day, and I still have two more. I don't, don't do it the way we did it. This is what I would say, and I would never have said this five years ago. Marketing. Here's why. Because the peep mark, think about this. Hopefully this will land. The people who are the best character and of the best value are usually the most humble and they refuse to show it online. That. I have a client who is a multimillionaire, one of the top dental practices in the country. You would never know, uh, but looking on social media, and we, we've worked on that a lot. I, I don't like this statement. 
I don't like the, and I do not buy into this statement, but this is the way it works. It's not about what you know. It's about what you can show, unfortunately. So how do you rectify that with this idea of not wanting to be a braggadocio and not, you know, how do you like, yeah, how do you rec- how do you reconcile that? You, I think for, for me, it's the understanding that I'm number one, I'm not marketing to myself. That's part one is like the people who are going to work with me don't necessarily value what I value. I've been dealing with that with my business. My business partner does not care about anything. No nice things. He doesn't care. He'll, he literally has one pair of shoes. Like he just doesn't care. That's, that's how he is, but he's a genius. So he doesn't understand that other people don't think that way. My theory with that is it's almost like what if you just showed more authentically of your real life? And I don't know. I'd have to look at your content. I don't know what you're showing. Got it. But that, it's like the humble people, it's like just talk talk kindly and truthfully about you is what I would say. Now, here's the other thing, though. In fairness – one of the reasons our business is as successful as it is, is because I am a podcast coach too. So like I have what most people value in terms of a podcast. That's, that's the other part too, is my business partner has uh, the highest he's ever had is 40 clients at one time. And that's all that's self-improvement business mindset, relationship coaching. But that's because we have so many downloads. That's one of the reasons, right? That it's that we, I would say this is the answer. We have a large amount of humans who have been a part of our journey and we have done really, really, really well at not trying to work less, but trying to add more value to them behind the scenes. And when you add value to somebody's life behind the scenes, that's how you can actually show them who you really are. That's how you can bypass the marketing gap, but it takes longer. Sorry, go ahead, Greg. Uh, so. I've noticed like your Instagram, you've pretty much fallen off of, and it looks like you were just concentrating your energy on your Facebook. Uh, which Instagram? Um, Never it, quit it, kid. Never quit kid is me. <clears throat> yeah, that's it. Like the post that I'm looking at was 30 weeks ago. No, that's the pin post. The top left is the pin post. Go to the next row. Oh, oh, you know what? I missed the pin. You're right. Never <laughs> it's a new, it's a, it's a new thing. It's a new thing. You know what? It's that fall <laughs> one where you're popping the champagne. Yeah, that's the a good one. Hidden in the leaves. No, you know, no, I'm but, still, I'm still, uh, I'm still on it. I, I think for yeah, us. Yeah, I see now. I see now that you're. Yeah, I'm there. You woke up this morning and you say like, "Hey, I had." Seven calls, like 36. Yeah, I see. Yeah, that yeah. I'm, I'm still there. But, but for me, it's like that for us, we're not going to win marketing like some other people market because that's not our business or our brand. Well, so it sounds like you're really saying market yourself. And as you do so, be true to who you are. I find that some of the people who are the least competent are the best marketers. And some of the people who are the most competent are the least, uh, the worst marketers. That's where I see myself. Like I, I'm a great coach. I feel the best about my coaching because I'm, I'm smart. I'm intelligent. I'm empathetic. And I bring my presence to the coaching and not my, my thoughts. I bring everything out, you know, Mm. I bring my thoughtfulness too. But so I, I, marketing mystifies me because I've, the attempts I've made have all failed. So I'm going to continue to fail up. Right. And, but at the same time I was like, okay, well let's, I have this successful person who is here? Let's ask the vulnerable question that scared me. Well, I'm grateful. That, 
I think that's actually what you're saying is to be more present with that. 100%. And this is the other interesting thing. Four years isn't probably as long as you think. That's the other weird thing about this, like rebuilding and starting something new. Like nobody knew who Google was four years in or Apple, right? right? We're, we're coming up on six years, 2017. And I've got 15% growth year on year. So if yeah, I keep so going it's like, play in another five years, I'm going to finally hit my goal. Well, yeah. But so <laughs> that's an important question, Mark. What if your goals are just off? I don't think people like, it's almost like, no, I set this goal. I have to hit this goal. But sometimes our expectations are off. I thought we'd have a million downloads by now for sure. For sure. How, how, how could we not? Because people don't care about self-improvement as much as I thought. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> but that was my expectation. Now, I think there's a difference. So here's a, here's a good kind of thought. And we talked about this last night. When it comes to setting goals, you have a 3% goal. And I'll, I'll go through them. 33% goal, 66% goal, 99% goal, 100% goal. A lot of people are telling people to set 3% goals. So it's like, I'm going to make a million dollars this year, even though I just started my business. That's a 3% goal. You have to have 100% belief and you have to be 100% competent and 100% productive. That's not realistic for most of us. What's the 100% goal? For you, your new 100% goal is 15% year over year. Your 99% goal is 17%. Your 66% goal is 25%. And then it's like, you know, so I would run those numbers and see like what actually comes out. That's what I found. I've worked with hundreds of podcasters and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just not successful. And, you know, I only have 10,000 downloads. It's like we had 1,000 downloads at your point. You're 10x where we were. You just think you should be further along. Yeah, I'm definitely getting the message here. And I also heard another piece, which you said, you know, you're ill and you're on your seventh out of 10 or seventh out of nine podcasts that you have today. Yeah, we did four at a team call, podcast breakthrough session, another podcast, this one, another podcast breakthrough session, coaching call. Right. So there's that persistence and that you show up every day, you get your workout in. You get your breakfast and then and you get to work and you get all of it done today, right? No, I don't ever get it all done. But the uh, I listened to a book recently and they had a really good phrase that I liked. I try to make sure I'm hitting the appropriate amount of productivity for the goals, right? So like a lot of people will say, Kev, you work too much. You know, you really need to take a day off. You're going to burn yourself out. And it's like, yes, I am going to burn myself out. Unfortunately, that is what's required for the level that we want to play at. And I'm just okay with that at this point. So I, but I also make sure every night I get at least two hours of R and R. Yeah. So if you're going to play at a, if you're going to aim at a 3% growth goal. Yeah. But you're actually calibrated from a rest recover state to be actually more like a 45% goal. Then don't beat yourself up. hundred percent. Right. Yep. hundred percent. What does R and R look like for you? Um, usually I'll finish, say I finish at like six, I'll usually eat, you know, six to six thirty, And then I usually spend, you know, an hour and a half, two hours watching Netflix with my wife in bed. We'll have like a Kate, like we have a Thursday night deep talk thing where we try to sit down and be intentional about having deep conversations about different topics. That's really good. She's, she's somebody who really likes deep talks, but again, and this is the other interesting thing, right? I do that all day. So sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, I don't, babe, I don't know if I have anything left. Like, I just talked to these, these two humans. They're super deep. And there was two of them. It's twice as hard. 
So that's something I'm trying to be more intentional about is I get that cup filled and overflowed every day, but that doesn't mean that's the case for her. Have you and Taryn um, approached your partnership in the same manner where you come together and talk about five-year goals, 10-year goals, current goals together as partners? Yeah, I don't know if we're as clear because I'm not as clear at, as what my life is going to look like. My ultimate goal, and I told, I told her this in the very beginning, I want it to get to the point where you can do whatever you want that will fulfill you the most. I don't want you to have to stress over things you don't want to stress over. I want you to wake up and say, what will fulfill me the most? I'm going to do that. From there, we've kind of determined I'll probably travel like one week out of the month. That'll kind of be it depending on you know how it happens. But other than that, no, not really. Not really. Um, we know we're each other's person. I mean, that's our current awareness, right? And I think the most important thing for us is I, she's the person I want to do the work with. I don't, I don't think there's anybody out there that was going to come in and it's going to be like, yeah, this is perfect. Nothing could ever go wrong. I, she's the person I want to do the work with and I love doing the work with her. I cannot imagine anybody else being in that position. And it seems like she must be as consciously aware that she wants to do the work with you. Yes. Yeah. She, she was more into self-improvement than I was in the beginning. That's wild. And I, that's why I ran away. I was like, I can't, I'm not that. I'm a bodybuilding bro. I need my chicken and my rice and nothing against that. I still like chicken and rice, but I wasn't ready for that level of depth. I wasn't ready to be that vulnerable in terms of like giving myself to somebody like that. So what you shifted that for you? What was it, Mark? What shifted that for you? What made it possible for you to see the value in that? I was, it kind of crossed the threshold where, I had worked on myself so much that I became me. No, no. I became her in the new relationships I was seeking where the people didn't understand what I was saying about self-improvement. You said that you ran away because you were the bro. Mm -hmm. And here's this individual who's like deep into consciousness. Did you run, run that? Was that running away from... Taryn or was that the other person? Oh no, that was Taryn. Yeah. The other person no. left me. The other person right. left so, me. So you ran away from Taryn. Yeah. And, yeah. and she was still there when you came back. Uh, no. So we connected. I ran away. I came back. We reconnected. I ran away again. The worst. Oh, Kev. Then I went about my thing. She went about her thing. I was kind of like, I had an eye because I, I like see her on social media and say like, I wonder what she's up to, but she was, she was dating people. And I was like, all right, well, I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I'm never going to send a message or anything. And then I eventually saw that she was single and I just reached out and said, Hey, do you want to get coffee? She said, make it tea and you got yourself a deal. Hmm. And she joked. She's always like, I didn't know. I thought we were just going to be friends. And I was like, that's the reason I reached out to you is because I was going to marry you. That's it. There was nothing. If you said no, I would have been fine. Like if you didn't want to date again, I would have been fine. But that's that's it. I'm, I want to find my person. I'm I'm old enough and understanding enough now that it's like that's what this is about for me. I want to grow. I want to grow with somebody, and that sucks sometimes. Of course, like there's painful conversations. Of course, but it's, isn't that everything? Everything is everything has pain in it. Well, I think one of the differences that I've heard, I myself have not experienced a successful relationship yet, but the, is um, 
when it's hard and painful, it remains in partnership, looking at the challenge together instead of it's your fault, you're wrong, you're bad. It's like, we have this challenge. How are we going to deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, we both have uh, unique needs. We both have unique competencies. We both have unique perspectives, traumas, experiences. So it's figuring out like, how do I work on my stuff? How do you work on your stuff? And then how do I work on how my stuff affects your stuff? And then kind of vice versa. And it's, I think that's one of the reasons candidly that most relationships don't work is it's cause it's like, if, if you don't work on your own stuff and your partner doesn't work on their stuff, you can't work on your stuff together. Cause it's actually not, that's not what the, the root cause is. Yeah. Right. It's and like it that. Weird. Back, yeah. It comes back to your dad, how here was an individual didn't want it, had no interest in the work. Well, then there's yeah, nothing just this, to do. Yeah. This can't, this can't work. This yeah. can't so work. Where did you pick up the emotional literacy? How did you come to the, uh, the work and have some competency there? Who were your mentors and, and what were the processes that really helped you develop? This is the interesting thing. And again, I always say my, my story, this, none of this is typical. I've had one, really one mentor the entire time, my business partner. It, that's, I mean, I've talked to Alan every single day. I'll cry again for the last six years. Like he is the dude for me. He just, he's, I borrowed his belief in the beginning. I did not believe this was possible. Like there's no way, Alan, what do you mean we're going to be successful? No way. But he, and I mean this, he, I've never met anybody with the level of belief he has. It's insane. He doesn't, he's like, Kev, we're going to be the apple of self-improvement. I promise. Like, what do you mean? He's like, we will be a billion dollar company. I promise. I promise. Just do the work. Just do you promise you'll do the work? I was like, of course I'll do the work. That's what I'm here for. All right, cool. It's, it's this interesting thing, Mark, where a lot of people have had opportunities to partner with Alan, but nobody ever stayed. And I remember when I, when him and I talked about it and he's like, dude, we should do this together. I was like, what? No way. You want to do this together with me? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And that was it. I, I told him and he always says like, how did you know? I didn't, I just knew he was different. I knew he knew something I didn't know. And I knew he was so smart. Go ahead, Greg. It's interesting that he's the one you reached out to when you're on the edge of that bed, when you're at the basement. I knew he knew, I knew he had an answer that I didn't where, and I'm not saying other people didn't. Right. Right. I think Mark, the interesting thing is I think I've always kind of been pretty aware. I just don't think I knew it. And I hadn't met a ton of people who were more aware than me, but I didn't realize I was aware. When you're the son of a single mom, Mm. it's a survival skill to develop emotional intelligence and empathy with the feminine. You just have to. Yeah. Right. And I don't know if your experience was like me, but there was this element where I supplanted or became a surrogate for a lot of that positive male reinforcement that my mom needed that she wasn't getting in Mm. her dating life. Like so that a lot of it was enmeshment, like it went over the line. It was too much. Right. Mm. But when you're in the crucible of that with your mom trying to be her emotional support network so that you can both survive, Mm. you just develop emotional intimacy skills because you have to. And does that mirror your experience? No. my. So we lived with my grandmother. My grandmother was kind of like, I think she was like that for my mom where I wasn't, I wasn't that at all. Mm. Yeah, no, I was, I kind of just did my own thing. Really? There wasn't, I don't think I, in retrospect, like my mom and grandmother did everything they could and I'm super grateful and I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything, but I don't think there was a lot of will lead the way. Like 
I made a lot of my own mistakes and nothing crazy. Luckily, I'm, I'm very blessed. I don't know. I think for me, I've always tried to think of there's a big difference between how you think something makes somebody feel and how it actually makes somebody feel. Mm-hmm. And if you can understand how it actually makes them feel by understanding that they might not even know how it makes them feel initially, you're in a really, really good place. I just, I feel like I, so this is the interesting thing. A lot of people who end up like quote unquote, very successful, they're very, and this is a, this is a blanket statement, but I think you'll, you'll get the parallel. There are people who are super hyper logical. They, they don't necessarily understand emotional intelligence at all. They, will put people down to put themselves up. And again, that one's, that one's maybe not as much, but they're more logical. I always say that I am the type of person who will always understand the audience because I am the audience. I'm not supposed to be successful, quote unquote. And just to the point, we used to have conversations with myself and my friends and I was the one who was supposed to end up in jail. Like that was the joke, not a great joke, but that was kind of the joke is like, if anybody's going to end up, you know, that's, that's Kevin. So I'm playing with house money, but here's the interesting thing. And it took me years to be able to say this. I wouldn't be nearly as successful as I am without Alan, but Alan wouldn't be nearly as successful in the way that he is without me because he doesn't understand people like I do. Salt and pepper. Very much. Yeah. And so Alan's accident is one of the reasons that you've got the success you have because he, there was that shift for him. Yep. And and we're getting this from Alan Lazarus's bio. He he that the pivotal thing that he had this life threatening experience where when he survived it, he questioned everything and what life was worth, and he just mm-hmm. made a decision, right, that he was going to take care of take control of his thoughts, as he says it. Yep. And that was is the difference. And so as you think, so you become. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he also has a such a high level of quantum ability. That's the other thing is like he is a vision. He is, again, people don't, I don't know if people judge me when I say it, but like he's a, he's a Steve Jobs type. Like that's who he is. You know, th- he's not, he gets laughed at a lot. He gets made fun of a lot by people who don't get it. But it's like this kid's something different. I've seen it. I know it. I know it. And that's why for me, it's like I'm all in. I traded in everything. Everything. Like let's do it. Let's see what happens, man. I believe in you. I know nobody else has really, but I do. And it's been great. Right. It's been great. Like him and I have the best partnership in the world. We don't fight ever. We want the same thing. We have a, and I would bet it's probably very similar to you two. We have this, it's an agreement. I am better at blank. I will do blank. You're better at blank. You will do blank. Just let me pilot and you co-pilot and I'll let you pilot and I'll co-pilot. And it's been, you know, we have 1,210 episodes. I've named all of them. Every single one, not every single one, 99% I've named, right? I come up with the topics that that's my that's me. I'm in charge. That's my jam. Alan is the one who built the the business infrastructure. That was him. He's the one who built the he built it. That wasn't me. Have I added? Sure. Has he added? Yes. But if it then this is the thing. If it wasn't for Alan, I would have a successful brand. But I'd probably be making very little money. If it wasn't for me, Alan would have a very successful business, but I don't think his brand would be very successful. And that's just the the back and forth. Yeah. Well, we're getting close to time. 
I'm sad. I'm genuinely sad about that. You can always come back. I anytime. would love to stay in contact with you. And anytime. so I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask this from the deepest place in my chest I can Please. ask it. Is there anything you need that our, <laughs> that we or the audience could help you with right now? No, not me personally. No, I, I would say no, no, no. Cause I'm just going to get on a little soapbox and say like, do something that you're going to be grateful for <laughs> that. That's what I want for everybody. Awesome. Not, that's not out. for me personally. For, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm very fulfilled. Do I struggle every day? Absolutely. But that's par for the course. I want you to do something that t- the end of 2023, you is going to be like, hell yeah. Thank you for that. Even though it sucks that <clears throat> I, I have something for you both really. Cause a gentleman right around the noon hour, um, he on Facebook has this that he posted and what I believe is being asked here is how does one alchemize the dark experience, the negative thought? Because part of what I'm hearing today is there's an alchemy of energy of shifting from negative, dark hopelessness to positive, bright gratitude. Mm. What is that? What's the toolkit you have? What is the process you engage in? Like you said, you're every day you're challenged. Yeah. Um, The easiest, again, the easiest version of the answer. I have a friend. I went to high school with a gentleman and he got a very unique potentially untreatable form of Lyme disease and mold disease. And he just flew to Switzerland because nothing in this country was helping. He couldn't figure it out. Flew to Switzerland. That's the second time he posted today. Like, just let me live. And he's, he's almost died several times. He posted today. Just let me live. Like, just let me live. Let me get through this. And I commented on his post. I said, dude, when you get through this, you're going to help so many people that you, you make your pain, your purpose. Because nobody knows what it's like to feel the things that you felt other than you, but in your own unique way. That's, I mean, that's really what it is for me. I'm able to jump on here and talk about whatever because I, be- I genuinely, in my heart of hearts, believe it will help. I, do I believe I'll be judged? Sure. But I believe I'll be able to help more than I'm judged. That's what I would say. Simple, simplistic answer. You make your pain your purpose and you try to figure out how do you help other people that are going through the turmoil that – you didn't think you could get through. If you made it out on the other side, you got cheat codes, you got strategies, you have awarenesses, you have experiences, you have pains, you have pleasures, you have things that other people don't have yet. That, I really think that's what it is. And I think the other part of it too, and this is like the deeper part of it, I think you have to forgive yourself. You forgive yourself for whatever you think you did. You think you wasted time, forgive yourself. You didn't know. The, the painful part, the most painful part about regret is when we look back at something, regret is caused because we have a higher awareness now that we didn't have then. Mm-hmm. Of course you wouldn't have done it. You didn't know. But or, or of course you wouldn't have done it. Now you know. Right, that, right, right. I think yeah. a lot of us, we're holding ourselves back because we're beating ourselves up. Yeah. And so that's, self, go ahead. self-forgiveness and then the creation of a mindset, a belief that the next level of service is possible. <clears throat> And then convincing yourself and showing up for that belief every day, committed to seeing it through. And the result is the journey. That. If you're doing it for money, you're not going to make money in the beginning. 
if you're doing it because it's like, if I tell one person my story today, it, you're never, there's a lot of people. There's 8 billion people to talk to. You'll never run out of that. Start there. A lot of, last thing I'll say, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm going off. A lot of people have their P's in the wrong order. They start something for a profit and then they try to convince themselves they're passionate. But if you start something because you're passionate about it, you'll, you better learn how to make it profitable if you want to do it forever. That's it. That's a position of, that's a power position. The other one is you're just waiting to retire. Well, you know, I'll, I'm going to do this until I make X amount of dollars. The other position is I love this so much. I'm going to learn how to swim. I'm going to jump in the pool and I'm going to learn how to swim. Now, jump in the pool is contextual to whatever your level of risk is and, and all that. But just as an analogy. I think that's the, the title of today's show. Your result is your purpose. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Real quickly, we have about uh, two minutes left. Have you and Alan experienced failures in your journey together as business partners? Oh, of course. Um, we had a speech recently we did where I literally told Alan, I said, when we were standing up there, I knew it was Bunny Meets the Blades. I knew it. We were doing a communication seminar for a bunch of teachers. All these teachers are older than us. They, they, who are these two hotshots coming in to teach us about teaching? It was brutal. Like, I mean, Greg, I was standing up there sweating and I knew it was going to be the worst experience that we've had together in the public eye. And it was brutal. But again, we, we lick our wounds, we review the tape and then we try to get better. And that's, that's really it. We have each other. That's the thing is like, I didn't fail. Alan didn't fail. We failed together. We can fix it together. Awesome. That's awesome. All right, I want to respect your hard stop. Uh, Kevin, thank you very much for your energy and time today. Awesome. You've done a lot for our partnership as well. Thank you for this time and uh, good luck in everything that you do and do stay in touch. I could say, I'm telling you, you want me back on, let me know anytime. I'll come on next week if you want. Awesome. All, right. All right. I appreciate you guys. You All right. Please, please. You're the best. Thank you. All the love guys. Bye. 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 Recording stopped.